Hey everybody, welcome back to Pod Lasso, Talking Ted with Jess and Logan. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so proud of the name, but I am very proud of the name. I rather enjoy the name. I thought it was brilliant when you when you said it to me. I was like, yes, yes, that's it. I love it. <laughs> I didn't even like think twice about it. I thought it was great. Um, so we're back with our, our Ted Lasso rewatch. We're on season one, episode two, Biscuits. So if you're following along and watching for the first time, especially if you haven't seen the episode, maybe don't listen because we will spoil the episode and we'll get to probably some spoilers for later things towards the end of the episode, just in case we don't want to ruin it for anybody who is just catching up, not, not shaming. So, um, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay. So I, I think I've watched this episode more times than any other episode. It is a pretty great episode. I must say, Uh, I think I've seen this one I've I've only seen it three times. I know you've seen it like probably twenty, but <laughs> I, I I've watched it twice in the last two days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So you can help keep me on track of what happened in this episode and what happens in the future. <laughs> uh, and this, I think I talked about it in one of our previous two episodes. This is the one directed by Zach Braff. Um, yes. Yes. Which, when you know it, when you see his name pop up, you're like, "Oh, there he is." <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. That. Yep. And the tone, the tone of this episode, like, I feel like knowing that it, it you do kind of notice a little bit of him. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it ha- or at least I did. It definitely has a more. Uh, I don't want to say sitcomy feel because it's not really a sitcom feel. It's just a. Like a different swing than the first episode, which pilots mm-hmm. are always a little off center anyway, even though the pilot of Ted Lasso, like we talked about, <laughs> is one of the best comedic pilots probably ever. Yeah. Um. So this this episode's full on into like Ted is the coach. He's, you know, coming into the locker room, trying to shake things up a little bit here and there. Um, I said we're going to start the podcast with a question. This time, I, I couldn't decide which was the better question. The quick question is, lion or panda? <laughs> right? Yes. So, I mean, I'm with Ted. Like, I don't want to be the king of anything. <laughs> I just want to be, even if it's, <laughs> to put it in her terms, sitting around in piss-stained fur. Like... <laughs> Just gnawing on bamboo. I just want to be chill, man. Like, I don't want any worries. <laughs> <laughs> I so. can totally appreciate that. So, uh, what are you, lion or panda? Oh, gosh. Neither, but for the sake of the podcast, I, I am going to stick with the ladies. And I'm going to say lion because it's. It, I feel like it's important. You know, you got to be, like, fierce. And you got to kind of, like... Make your mark. I don't know. So I'm 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 going for it. I'm trying to be, I guess, more like a lion these days. <laughs> that, that I mean, I I could probably do with that. I, I'm just old and tired. Um, but the, I hear that too. <laughs> the The real question is, uh, in in the vein of getting to know about us, I guess, first concert, best concert, because that's the one that comes up multiple times in this episode. So I'll I'll let you go first this time. First concert, best concert. All right. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad you kind of like prepped me for this question last week because I have been thinking about it (laughs) because I I love concerts. I've been to a lot of concerts and this has been difficult for me to answer the best part. So first concert that I ever went to, or at least that I remember going to, was a Goo Goo Dolls and Sugar Ray concert. Oh, Wow. In 1999. That's so much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the that's the one I remember going to like as a first concert. I, it, it's possible I went to one before that, but I, I don't think so. If I've I've got my timelines correct. <laughs> and so that what year was it? 1999. So that would have been what? What is the Goo Goo Dolls? That was the name. When name first hit, 
Or was that after that? I think that was the City of Angels phase. Didn't that movie okay. come out right around yeah. that time? Yeah. And that was like the heyday for Sugar, Mark McGrath and Sugar Ray. So. Okay. Yeah. So that would have been probably post Fly for them. Yeah. Right? Would have been probably the second album, which had like three or four hits on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember it being good. I remember it being a pretty good show. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I dug both of those, uh, like those specific albums. I can't remember the names of them at the moment, but I do have both of them. And I remember like actually enjoying the entire albums. So yes. That's a pretty good concert. It is. Yeah, it was it was a pretty great concert. I, I did. I did enjoy that. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and then best concert. I, I've been to a lot of concerts and, and I've really gone back and forth on this. And I think I think I landed on there's a couple I want to do because like my absolute favorite music venue in Atlanta is the Tabernacle. But I think Incubus is one of the best bands I've ever seen live ever. And I've seen them multiple times. They literally sound exactly like the recordings. And I think it's for that reason that I have to say the best concerts I've ever been to are Incubus concerts. That's awesome. I would have not have pegged you for Incubus. For a hard rock fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I think that's awesome. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna I don't remember which concert was first, but in the same year I saw Vanilla Ice and a band called Nelson. Nice. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Nelson. I know everybody knows who Vanilla Ice is, um, but Nelson were the twin sons of a musician, former actor Ricky Nelson. Uh, they had long blonde hair. They had like a couple of hits in the early 90s. Um, and I don't remember which one was first, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure Vanilla Ice was first, which is super lame. <laughs> so, yes and no. It was very of the time. <laughs> yeah, it was in his like heyday. I'm, yeah. uh, I don't want to say significantly older than you, but I am older than you. So like, <laughs> it's a little bit forgivable that I was like, also weird because I was like probably 13 or something like should not have been at a vanilla ice concert Um, (laughs) but my uncle scored my brother and I tickets and took us and my parents okayed it so whatever um best concert uh they might not be considered hard rock anymore but six or seven years ago I got to see uh Guns N' Roses oh nice in Atlanta, uh, their first like reunion tour uh, when Slash and Axel finally buried the the hatchet and yes, it was they are my favorite band of all time. Nice. Like, so, in at some if you know the history of the band, at some point it was just like I'm never going to get to see these two people on the stage yeah. together ever. By the time I was old enough to buy a ticket and take the ride, they it's like, no. It's like the Eagles. Like, nope, oh, we're yeah. not getting back together. And you're like, shit, I'm never going to get to see this. Like, I missed it. And they went on tour, coming to Atlanta, me and uh, my, like, best friend since high school, which is, like, how we became best friends, uh, listening to Guns N' Roses on my headphones in the back of the classroom, um, like we're, <laughs> we're going like, we got to go. Right. I knew, of course I knew every damn song they played. It was an incredible concert. Um, I, I look like one of those girls you see in from the footage of the Ed Sullivan show when the Beatles <laughs> walk out on stage. Right? Yes. So, um, That's hilarious. The, the best thing was like the, you could tell like it I hate that it's like more or less for the money, but like you could tell because like Slash and Axel were never on the same side of the stage at the same time. <laughs> there was a ramp built into the back of the stage so that they did not have to cross paths with each other. Oh, so wow. if he walked stage left, Slash would go up the back of the ramp to walk to the other side of the stage. It was it was funny but also incredible at the same time. Like 
November Rain, I could probably go the rest of my life without ever hearing that song. Because (laughs) that and Sweet Child, like, Jesus, just stop playing those songs. But, (laughs) like, seeing him play it on a piano live and singing it and slash like doing that solo and i was just like oh my god i cannot believe i'm watching this so i don't think anything will ever top that for me maybe seeing counting crows because weirdly enough they're another like of my favorite bands green day too but like it would have to be like them playing like the whole like a whole album or something like green day playing all of like 20th century breakdown or American idiot or something like that. So <laughs> I was just about to say the closest I've gotten, I don't think I've seen green day in concert unless I happen to have caught them at like a warped tour or like music midtown back when music midtown was good. But, uh, I, I saw American idiot at the Fox. Obviously it wasn't actually green day doing it, yeah. <laughs> but it was live green day music. <laughs> yeah. I, I really want to see that play. And I, I can't, I've missed, every uh, like somehow missed every opportunity anytime i'm like oh i like i can make that and then something always happens oh, like, no. well i can't go so hasn't but, been back through in a while yeah um so anyway yeah that's first concert best concert so we both got semi yours is definitely hard rock mine probably yeah. <laughs> doesn't count as hard rock anymore so it's classic rock it's solid yeah um so anyway, the episode. Um, I, I, where I don't I don't even know where to start with this episode. It, <laughs> okay, it's, so it's not just me. Okay, it's a weird episode. Right? It's a fantastic episode, but like if this were a twenty-two episode tradition, if this were The Office, mm-hmm. this would be an episode that like doesn't. I can't think of an episode of The Office that doesn't have this, but it doesn't have that like weird probably like state to go like yeah it's the episode where this happens mm-hmm. like you might would think it's like a filler episode because Set up episode yeah there, there's no there's no action like it, it's one of the few um uh football episodes that we get where they're going to play a game where we get absolutely zero football like we, we get <laughs> not to jump to the end but we get Roy like throwing his hands up as the score comes up and like oh that's it they lost you know um but I, I can't I couldn't think of another episode that really did that you know there's episodes where we don't see a match and they just talk about it but like we see them going into the match and immediately cut to the fi- the final score yeah so and that that was interesting because i guess i guess they were trying to like ease into that i don't really know um maybe they hadn't figured out how much of the football games they were going to necessarily be showing i hope we're not confusing people by saying football instead of soccer but i'm gonna roll with it because it's what they say in the show (laughs) yeah i mean if you're watching the show i feel like it i'm starting to feel it's disrespectful Especially when yeah. it's about this to call it soccer. I know, so. I know. It does it does feel that way, doesn't it? Okay. Um I totally lost my train of thought. Um oh well I, I mean to me, because we know what's what's coming, and so without spoilers, you can safely say that this episode one hundred percent sets up the well, I think like every single storyline for the rest yeah. of the season. Um, I let's see. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out of like how to attack this. I the I mean the name of the episode is biscuits. So I feel like maybe let's start by talking about that whole biscuits <laughs> storyline. Biscuits. Yes. <laughs> Don't put gravy on them. Right. Um. <laughs> I love I love how they do like the you know like American lingo mixed with like the British lingo. Like I just it it tickles me every time. I love it. <laughs> But he he calls them cookies, right? To start with. Well, they are cookies. Uh, but are they? They're more like brownies. I think it's like a. I think it's more like a shortbread. Okay. I, I'm very curious about that. Let me. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do some. Some like quick googling here. I don't know what I'm about, about to google because I feel like this. <laughs> what are this, British biscuits? <laughs> this could. This could 
end not not well. Um, I I do know a little bit of trivia about the biscuits, and okay. that's that they just made a concoction that looked good on film without thinking how often uh, Rebecca would have to take bites of them. And oh. she said they tasted horrible. You can kind of tell by the way the actress eats them <laughs> at certain points. Um, one point's like, more pronounced than another because I think she was trying to make the point of Higgins couldn't find yeah. <laughs> the proper biscuits. Um but yeah, that's that is interesting that they didn't really try to make them, I guess, look like cookies. It's, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was rather weird. I, I'm assuming as we go through the show, because it it is something that shows up like it's not as pointed and like, oh, look, we're going to have a small plot line about the biscuits. But you do see him you know, bringing her biscuits quite often throughout the rest of the show. I'm assuming anytime we see her eat one, that they've made an attempt to at least get something that's uh, at least tastes good. Even if she's not, like I know actors when they're eating on screen, a lot of times it's just chewing. And the minute you cut, they're literally spitting it out because they have to do so many takes. I know. Um, so uh, hopefully at some point they were like, oh, we need to make these palatable because <laughs> like if I was the if I was her, um, I, I would just be like, I'm not going to keep eating this on camera. These taste terrible, <laughs> which is unfortunate. So, OK, I I just sent you a link. Sorry, this is terrible podcasting. However, I did some Googling and the picture of a Scottish shortbread biscuit looks very similar to what she should be eating. So I'm wondering why they didn't yeah. just make these. <laughs> <laughs> they look delicious. Um, I mean, right? And they do kind of look like American biscuits. Um, but I would imagine that they don't taste like American biscuits. I, my weirdness comes from him calling it a cookie. Because, like, in my mind, a cookie is, like, very round and, like, not at all, I don't want to say not thick, but not, like, small cake size. Um, yeah, I, I I get that, yeah. Although crumble cookies are kind of cakey. Do you have a crumble near you? I do, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> I'm glad they're not cheap. Because know, if they right? were cheap, it would be like a 10 cookie a week habit. So, because, God, they're so good. Even the, like, regular chocolate chip cookie is just, like, it's pretty freaking good. I, I don't want to pay $3 for a chocolate chip cookie. But, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I actually had some crumble this week. <laughs> nice. Now I want some more. Um Oh. Yeah, the I I do really like the biscuit through line. Um like it just throughout the whole episode like Yeah. It, it's such a Ted thing and and not to I I I don't know this this really alludes to anything else, but it is the kind of thing that somebody with uh can I say Ted's specific kind of trauma would do like get up early and make like this thing for people. Like mm-hmm. it's very sweet, but it's also like, it's one thing to do it once. Right. But you're committing to do it. I, I mean, you, you have a job. I, I, I work from home, but when I worked in the office, like there's no way in hell I would have gotten up every morning to make my boss a homemade, like even like bacon, egg and cheese biscuit. Like, (laughs) no, man, I'm not making you a biscuit from scratch. Like I'm not doing that a couple of times a week. I know he's making them in like big batches, but it's still like, it, it is kind of a peek behind the curtain. Like if you ever get into like any, just reading about like therapy and how people deal with trauma it's like a, um, it, it's like a, me- just a mechanism used to try to like 
get people to attach themselves to you. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, yeah, it's like a codependent kind of thing. So it's, I think it's a good, like small little peak. Um, And it's, uh, I guess when we talk about the end of the episode, it's a storyline that repeats itself in season two, which we'll talk about when we get to season two, but with another, with a new character we meet in season two, who's Mm -hmm. very much like, I don't want your biscuits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And how he handles that whole situation is like rewatching it, knowing that, like it kind of puts it into more perspective of like, Oh, this is like a codependency maybe kind of thing, you know? Um, But anyway, um, yeah. So uh, what else happens in the episode? Uh, There's uh, several minutes of this episode that are slyly focused on Rebecca's divorce and dealing with the fact that like another woman has come forth forward Mm -hmm. talking about an affair that she had with uh, her Mm -hmm. ex-husband, which just ramps up her desire to, destroy the team so yeah and you know what i noticed like on a rewatch that on on a first watch when like you don't know where everything is going so it's like after the first episode they've painted rebecca hardcore as like the villain of the of the series right and so it's like she's the one who's trying to take down ted and i'm like okay so you know, I missed some of the nuances to her performance that I noticed this time around, I would say, um, because I was just like, oh, yeah, she's she's kind of like in it to discredit him. She wants to tank the team like that's all she's after. Um, and so I guess we can see how that plays out over the course of the season. Um, but like little things that I picked up on this time around was like, the quote epiphany she has <laughs> when she she looks at the biscuits and uh wants to send ted to talk with keely to get advice about jamie whereas like it, it felt more like acted to me like she yeah. was playing a part the first time i watched it but this time it's definitely like no she kind of had that epiphany in real time and then Ted unfortunately clues into it because he notices her her reaction and then it kind of just snowballs from there but I was like I feel like that was more of a genuine reaction than I thought it was the first time I saw it yeah I I completely agree like it it, coming off the first episode it does feel rather like oh she's being super manipulative Mm -hmm. where in reality like once you like get some distance from it it's like no, she wants to be super manipulative, but she clearly doesn't know how to do it because she's just not very good at it. She's not her ex-husband. <laughs> like exactly. she's enlisting this other dude and then getting frustrated <laughs> when he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I just I just went along with the lie. I never came up with him. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, the Higgins character cracks me up. <laughs> Him stand, when they greet the team, and he, he's standing at the door. He's like throws. He's like throws his hand up for a high five, and like they literally all just walk past him. Like <laughs> that poor man. I know. Oh, you do. You do feel like you feel bad for him in some ways, and then like in other ways, you're like, oh, but he was kind of going behind Rebecca's back. So, like, I've always, I always had like that in the back of my mind, also. But you could definitely tell that Ted has won him over real quickly, and it seems like every once in a while, like you get kind of this glimpse that maybe he might be cracking Rebecca a little bit, but yeah. But yeah, it's sometimes I mean, she's been, you're not sure. She, she tells Higgins that, right? She's like, everywhere he goes, people seem to love him. And that's the one thing that could screw up my plan mm-hmm. is that everybody falls in love with him. So she's trying to put a hitch in it. Um, and the opportunity presents itself to uh, get, Ted, get Ted captured on film looking 
like he's flirting with Keeley, mm-hmm. um, who um, I, I don't know how to say this without maybe sounding because uh, I'm a dude, so it's going to sound like <laughs> like a okay. uh, insult the way I say it. But like Keeley is a flirty person. Like, from the moment we see her. Like, she's flirting with the whole locker room of dudes. And not in a, like... It just... She has that personality. Like... Yeah. No, she does. She's she's definitely a flirt. Like, that's just who she is. She, she's the kind of person that's like... Like, when she was younger, before she... Like, this character was famous. She was probably a waitress at a pub or somewhere. And made insanely well... <laughs> on tips mm-hmm. because of you're just like oh i like i want her to like she's so much fun you know exactly kind of it, she, it may, feels good to be around her like she makes yeah. you kind of like feel good about yourself you know because she's like just she's very outgoing she's very charismatic and she like immediately seems to befriend people like very quickly um Except except for, at least in this episode, Rebecca, where she's just like, oh my gosh, she's so intimidating. Like, I mean, her and Higgins are the only two that have any kind of, like, immediate affection for Ted. Like, they're the only ones. Like, immediately she's, when like, when she comes back in the first episode and her and Ted have their little uh, back and forth in the locker room, like, she seems very, you know friendly towards him and yeah you know so of course you know i it's weird that rebecca has to give him the idea i understand it's necessary for the episode but like you would have think that's something ted would have immediately um it, it actually if anybody's being manipulative it's probably ted because um one of the things you do to get people on your side like to to get them to like better uh, I don't, it's so weird to talk about it like this, but like in an office, if you ask somebody to help you with something, even though you don't really need their help, like if for some reason, like that endears them to you. So it could actually just be Ted being manipulative. It could, but I think Ted doesn't know what he's doing. Like, do you know what I mean? I think there's part, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like he's not being manipulative the way that Rebecca's attempting to manipulate events around him. He just, I, I think, I mean, I definitely think you nailed it on the head with like some codependent tendencies and we will see more of this as like, we kind of unpack Ted throughout the season. I don't think that's a super big spoiler, but um, he, he, he like, it, it's, it's, it it feels weird to call it manipulation because you're right. He like endears himself to people and you kind of think at first, like, is this guy really this nice of a guy? Like, is this just an act? Like, is this just Ted? And it's just, he just feels so like genuine all the time, but they definitely, like you said, are tactics to win people over or to, I, I don't know. Like, I think he, says that he the whole reason he wants to do this like this whole biscuits with the boss thing is that everybody is part of the team you know like including the owner including higgins like he wants everybody to be like bonded and firing all cylinders and like he can kind of feel that she might be a little standoffish even though she's not she's not being like rude or anything you know what i mean because she obviously like wants him to think that she believes in him <laughs> even yeah. though she's trying to use him to tank the team like she doesn't want him to know that but i think in some way he can kind of feel that she's disconnected from the rest of the group and it's like his way to bring everyone together but it is also a little bit of a manipulation tactic as well yeah it makes it sound so negative i shouldn't shouldn't say manipulation um but it, it is a a tactic for winning people over yeah to put it. you know get them to to help you with some small project that you don't really need help with. Or, you know, like he does it um, later in the episode, like because he doesn't know what to do with Jamie. Rebecca leads him to um, uh, Keeley 
Keely, <laughs> the there's the sexual joke, which is and mm-hmm. gets a chuckle out of me every time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she says positive reinforcement. Now, I, as many times as I've watched this episode, it probably wasn't until the fourth or fifth time that I actually realized that what he does later with Jamie is. It's true. Everything he says is true. Mm-hmm. But it is very, like, he is specifically doing that to try to pull him in to that circle. To yep. appreciate, you know, better appreciate a, being a teammate. To, to get him to work a little bit differently. Uh, like, it is a type of, like again, manipulation is such a negative word. But that's kind of what he's doing is, like steering the ship without having this character know that he's steering his ship, you know, and using that positive reinforcement to do it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like the, I don't know, fourth, third, fourth, fifth time I watched the episode, I was like, Oh, he's doing exactly what she told him to do. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I, Cause I, obviously the first time through, I, I didn't pick up on that, but I, I saw more hints of that when I was rewatching it. Um, when I was rewatching it again uh, earlier today, because I was like, okay, I was like, okay, so there it is. Those are like the little things, and and you start to see just like little glimpses and little glimmers of it working with Jamie, like very slowly but surely. Like at the very end, he goes, mm-hmm. you know, to it, it Trent tries to interview him, and he's like, no, you know, it's fine. I'm just one of eleven, right? And then he that he he ego, over. Man. Yeah, it's the, it it'll kill him you. every time. Yeah, he overhears the thing. He's like, you know what? <laughs> Screw it. I am it. pissed. They're in there <laughs> eating cake and dancing. I know, but he, but he totally takes like says it out of context. Also, mm-hmm. did you notice that? Like, he doesn't say we're celebrating Sam's birthday as like a team building exercise. He's like, no, they're celebrating and eating cake, like as if Ted was trying to celebrate the loss like you know what i mean like yep. he it was definitely very misleading the way he presented it which uh not to jump to next week's episode but <clears throat> it does like help with like rolling into the next episode which is mm-hmm. all about well not all about trent Krim, but like it, it is kind of like that character going into this situation to see what ted is all about um which we'll talk about next week um so uh the i meant to like get a little bit deeper into it because kind of just jump past it um the british press of it all like uh, it does i think a really good job of painting them probably in the light they deserve to be painted in (laughs) without being too like shitty about it Right. Because, like, if you know anything about anything about the press over there, you know how absolutely bonkers it is. Like, they they just we think it's bad here. But like some of the things that like that it's it's so gossip fueled. Yeah. That. Yeah, I I just I, I don't know how anybody who's remotely famous in in England doesn't just be like, I'm going to America. Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) forget this. I'm done. (laughs) Or not even America anywhere else. Like I just, you know, I I mean, not to get even too sad about it, but like everybody has their theories about princess Diana, but like, yeah, I mean, she was being chased down by the press, you know, know, like it's, that's, that's insane, man. <laughs> it so. is. It is. It's 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 crazy. Um, but no, I agree with you. I think the way that they paint like the press is <laughs> warranted, uh, I think, especially like for British press. But even like over here, it's like I it, a lot of I mean, even a lot of our journalism these days is turning yeah. more into um gossip and hearsay and opinions as opposed to like fast fact-based investigative journalism which you know in the sports world it, 
they're it's you know they're not looking to uncover some deep dark truth about the universe or whatever they're just trying to get the best headline you know they just they just want the the eyeballs if you will you know reading reading their stories so uh, it was it was it's been it was kind of very interesting and I, I like that we do get a recurring press character uh, I, I thought that was pretty interesting just to kind of I don't know give it a different see see everything from a different perspective I guess yeah and I mean, I'm still like, if they announced the Trent Crim spinoff, I'd be like, yes, <laughs> I am all in. Yes. Right? I, I love this dude. I do too. I don't know what it is about him, but I, I, I do quite like him. Um. So before we get to any, like, uh, I guess, future uh, spoilers, sure. uh, jokes, like, I don't Gosh. think this episode is as joke heavy as the first episode. But it does have some, like, incredible jokes. Um, I know what my favorite is, but, like, uh, the high-five in the tree is, like, up there. It's not my favorite. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't... His enthusiasm yeah. with the high-five tree. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many little just, like, one-liners throughout this whole episode that just had me giggling. That was one of them for sure. Um, I just, what does he say? I just had a piece of cereal. <laughs> I'm yes. really full. <laughs> I just had a piece of cereal. I'm, I'm good. I can use some coffee. <laughs> wow, that was close. <laughs> just like, it just like keeps going. It's like it, it never stops. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, what was like a good, like a good, I mean, there's, there's so many like just little things that I really do love that make me laugh. The the Nate interactions were great in this episode. <laughs> when he, oh, he, he calls yeah. him and like he's like, uh, you talking to me? And he's like, me. He's like, yeah, yeah. Until we get another Nate, I'm gonna just need you to assume that I'm talking to you. <laughs> yes, that was great too. <laughs> like, oh, and me. Nate in his boxes, man. Ah. Uh. Oh, we didn't really talk about that. We yeah. didn't really talk much about Nate. I mean, he's not in this episode a lot, but yeah, his big prominent things are like the the info on Sam, which leads to the making of uh, at least one of the boxes, and mm-hmm. Jamie putting the gum in it, and uh, it just oh god, what a prick Jamie is, man. Oh, I know. <sighs> he's he's so he's so full of himself. You get to see glimmers of like the guy you hope he could be, uh, yeah. which, which is <laughs> I'm me coach. Why would I want to be anyone else? <laughs> like, I don't think you know how psychologically healthy that is. <laughs> That's uh, probably my, one of my favorite Jamie moments. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so many, there's so many great moments. I'm like, I'm like trying to like replay everything in my head, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're saying all the ones that I love. So I, I don't know that I can land on any one thing. Although I, I did like the, the interaction where, where, where Mays they're re- actually, they're reading the results out of the box and she's explaining to him. She's like, Hey, you, you really don't want to let people call you this. <laughs> He's like, Oh yeah, I'm a visual person. That was actually very helpful. <laughs> yeah. That is really good. Later with Jamie. Oh. Um, Nate Nate gets a great comedic moment, which I, I mean, I wonder. It's one of those like I want to ask: Was this scripted, or, or was it like literally he reacts, like does a fake reaction and like throws his elbow back and hits the window and cracks yes. it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, shocks every because like everything stops. Oh. <laughs> I would love to know, yeah, if that was really supposed to happen because, like, it just had that genuine look of, like, oh my god, did I really just do that? <laughs> um, I I think my favorite joke though, and it's probably one of my favorite jokes in the series. It it's a nothing joke, but I did not catch it, and this is one I didn't catch probably till the third or fourth rewatch. Um that interaction where Jamie's like, I'm me coach. Why would I want to be anyone else? When Jamie walks away, he goes, he taps him on his chest and goes, cheers. And Ted responds with night court. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's so fast. 
that like if you're not really listening you you just don't hear it but like the first time i was like oh my god <laughs> like that it's a joke that no like n- nobody gets but ted <laughs> like yeah none of the, they probably don't know what the hell night court is <laughs> no that's funny i didn't i didn't pick up on that one but one that i I did hear that I don't recall hearing and maybe because I was like trying to listen a little more for like background stuff is at the, when the game ends and they're back in the locker room and Jamie's yelling at the announcers because they're not recognizing his like (laughs) only goal when, when they like start to transition to like, I don't know if it's like into the office. It's, it's away from Jamie and and into like another, I think it is into the, uh, into the office with, um, Ted and Coach Beard, but in the background you hear them like talking about Jamie, yeah. and they're like, "He's he's he's like he's celebrating like he just won the World Cup like <laughs> what a douche." And I, was like, oh, like, I don't know if that's exactly what they said, but it was it was pretty. Which funny. makes it sadder that like like it, it's funny because we didn't see any of that, but also like we didn't see any of that. Yeah, but do you need to see it though? Yeah, I mean, it's we, funnier <laughs> to hear about it like after the fact. It's yeah. funny for you to picture it in your head. Yeah, that's that's what makes it funny because you can just picture him just going just going nuts as if he like literally just won the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it goes back to uh, in the first episode, he he pieces out of the locker room to go get waxed. He's oh, like, yeah. you know, I got to go get waxed. I get take my shirt off when I score a goal. It's not for me. It's for the fans. So, um, <laughs> like, he, yep. Like he just won the world cup, ripping his shirt off. Um, so, uh, we got a little bit, probably about 15 minutes left. We'll talk about, uh, stuff that will come down the line. So if you, if you haven't watched the whole show, maybe don't listen to any of this, but, um, cause yeah. we might spoil something. Oh, there's also the Roy, the I mean it's such a stupid joke, but when he tells Roy, like if you're gonna go in the shower, you gotta take your sweater off. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> oh holy cow, is that dude hairy? <laughs> he really is. He he really is. I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, the sh- um, the shower pressure scene was pretty funny. Yeah, it, when... it's such a visual gag, which it is does not like this show does not do a ton of visual gags, um, but. Uh, <laughs> there's one that'll come in another episode, but that my favorite visual gag in the whole series is Ted jumping up and banging his head on the door frame. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we'll talk about that when we, uh, but yeah, it, they don't do a ton of visual stuff, but yeah, that shower pressure is like, careful. The gaffers fix the shower pressure. Exactly. Um, that is a good one too. Um, so stuff that kind of, we talked, we've talked a little bit about, setting up for future storylines um they continue to build on ted's anxiety and uh like all of those issues that come with all of that uh panic attacks like we seem like clenching his fists um yes i noticed that with his hands he's kind of doing like the whole thing at the toward the beginning of the episode which beard takes is just nervousness yep um and it's it's really not it's him like trying to do something to stave off probably a panic attack. Yeah. Um, there's this wasn't really a spoiler. I could have brought it up like in the main discussion, but I don't think I noticed it until probably when we first started discussing doing this and I started a rewatch of the show. Um, when they're coming out onto the field for this match against crystal palace, uh, Roy's niece is walking with him, holding his hand. Oh, I did not notice that. It, it's very easy to miss it. But, um, yeah, just like when I watched the episode, I, I don't know, when did we start talking about this? Almost a month ago. Um, yeah. And I like I, t- I told you that like three days later, I was like, yeah, I already watched back through like the whole first season. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I was like, oh, that's that's his niece. Like she, He's walking out with her on the the field so i thought that was really like a sweet um kind of kind of sort of introduction to her because she becomes a fairly big part of his story yes Uh, she does 
there's the the brief appearance of the busker early in the episode. Yeah, becomes fairly important in a couple of episodes from now. Um, which uh, that that's such a weird, funny storyline. Um, yes, that is for, an odd storyline. I forgot to bring up uh, last week. Uh, the when she's given him the tour of the uh, the facility, she it's not the equipment room. It's uh, I forget what the room it is, but she talks about it. She says like the players won't go in there; they think it's haunted. Yes, yes, I caught that too. And like it's such an easy thing to miss, but then <laughs> literally there's a whole damn episode about it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Which I totally missed uh, the first time that I, I watched it through because I wasn't like paying attention. But yeah, a lot of that like historical stuff that she's kind of like showing him that that all comes back to play later. And it and it's so it's so interesting. Like that was an episode which, which I mean, we'll talk about when we talk about the episode that the first time I watched it. I didn't really put a lot of thought into what they were saying and like Mm-mm. the history behind it. And, but like the more I've watched the episode, the more I've been like, that's really just kind of fucked up. Like, like that whole thing is just messed up, you know, of yeah. course it would be haunted. Um, and then maybe the biggest kind of allusion to a future thing. And it's not really a big storyline, but it kind of becomes uh, I I don't know. Kind of a catchphrase is to be a goldfish. You know what are we yes. gonna do? We're gonna be we're gonna be a goldfish. Um, and it's such a like sweet him and Sam. This is like a real introduction to Sam, and they have such like a sweet kind of chemistry that you know. And Sam doesn't really understand it, you know. But then like that bond just grows and grows and grows and grows. Uh, I do like the the army men thing. He's like, do you care if I don't keep this? Like, I don't have the same fondness for <laughs> the American military that you do. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I thought that I thought that was kind of a good point, and it sets up uh, his storyline later this season too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it it's it's a good like a great episode for like a like solidifying all of what's gonna happen next. Um. But yeah, it's it's like th- th- if you so showed this to somebody who maybe hadn't at least watched the pilot, they'd be like, they might would say, yeah, I mean, it looks kind of cute, but like, th- there's nothing here, you know? Yeah, when in reality, it's uh, it's setting up the rest of the season. Yeah, and it does a, a great job of it, and uh, it's in it's hindsight, just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's just such a, a sweet and like funny in a subtle way. Um, it's weird because uh, I before we started recording, I was talking about <laughs> I binge watched all of that 90s show. And uh, <laughs> it's funny that Night Court comes up because they just rebooted Night Court, too. Did um, they really? Yeah. With, and, and it's like a sequel, like that 90s show is. Oh, um, wow. Uh, they brought in a uh, an actress who's playing the daughter of um, uh, Harry Anderson, uh, who passed away a number of years ago. Uh, his his he was the judge in the Night Court show. She's playing his daughter, uh, John Larroquette's uh, one of I think only three people still living from that show, um, and he comes back as his character. So it comes as kind of like legacy. Uh, reboot thing um and, and it put me on a like a whole thought process about like sitcoms aren't what they used to be not not in a bad way just in a like everything's way more subtle now yeah like there's no laugh tracks there's no like you know and, and i've been re-watching seinfeld Yes, me too. Netflix. See, yeah, I, I can't stop watching it. Um, <laughs> you know, it sucks you in. It just does. Yeah, it's 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 just such a good show. But like, it's filmed in front of mostly in front of an audience, so like you're getting those laughs, and you know you can make the mistake of watching a show like Ted Lasso very passively, and you miss out on like you might still catch the drama and the heart of it. 
but like you will miss out on all of the comedy because so much of it is so subtle. Oh yeah. I mean, you miss a lot of it if you've really only seen it once. I mean, I, I'm realizing the more that we talk, like, and the, you know, being able to rewatch it again, just, uh, how much I missed the first time around. I was like, Oh, Oh, (laughs) like it does. It does take on like kind of a whole new appreciation of how well layered the show is for sure. Um, did, was there anything that we like set up for future storylines that maybe we didn't touch on? I felt like I kind of just brushed through all that. It really is just like continuing what they started in the first episode. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we we hit on the major the major things. I mean, which I mean, the the biggest thing that they're setting up for um, is Ted's breakdown in the next couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, um, which uh, the first like big breakdown is in the party episode, right? Yeah. Isn't that like the fourth episode? Yeah. 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 I think. Yeah. That. So that's coming. I mean. They've, That's where we meet Sassy. Yes. Right? Yeah. I I affectionately now call my children Stinky and Sassy. <laughs> <laughs> I I love her, man. Like she too. is she's so great. Um and then we're coming up like I think you alluded to this in the when we we're talking about the characters we get introduced to, which I mean she Sassy's kind of a main character, but just recurring. Like the yeah. only one we haven't really met is Danny, right? Yeah, we have not met Danny yet. Yeah. And well, I mean, in season two there will be a very prominent right. character, but that's yeah. a new season, so that doesn't really count. Yeah, Danny. no. Dan <laughs> Danny's next episode. Is Danny next life. episode? I think so. Or is that I don't know. Yeah, Paula's life. Paula's life. <laughs> or is he the fifth episode? That, yeah. He's that that dude is so good, man. He's he so like he is the he's like the the football player version of Ted. Like like yeah. he's so infectiously joyous and like it, it just like it could be annoying. Like I think if I'm I'm. I would probably be annoyed by him. I would probably be annoyed by Ted. Like, I, oh, I would too. One hundred. Like, if I had to work with him, I'd be like, dude, you got to calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, <laughs> just a little. Like, I'm having a bad day. I don't need you to like positive my way through the bad day. Just let me have a bad day, man. <laughs> right. Right. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, we. It's they're. We do, we do get to, to, I mean, we do get to meet his family as well, but it's a. Yeah. Um, it's funny. The, the actress that plays his wife, she is a, uh, she's in that 90s show. She's their new next door neighbor. Oh, that's Um, funny. (laughs) I, I love her. Um, I've just, I, have you ever watched Better Off Ted? No, I've not watched that. I've heard of it, but I never saw it. It's so good. Um, which is weird because it's another Ted show. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's really like a working and it it's more it's a more fantastic version of The Office okay. um, where everything's like a little bit hyper realized. But it is very much like this is what it's like working in an office. Um, <laughs> it, it's really good. If you I, I've now I've recommended like so many shows, but <laughs> And you have zero time. <laughs> zero time. But you know what? Yeah. <laughs> One day you'll be retired and you'll be like, I think Logan told me that that was a good show. <laughs> One day, like two years from now, I'm going to text you and be like, oh my gosh, I just finished the series. We have to do a podcast. And you're going to be like, okay, I told you this like years ago. <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, we don't have to talk about this on the podcast, but I should say um, I am halfway through season two of Superman and Lois and we could just have like a 10 minute <laughs> Superman and Lois like chat session. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, I don't know why I thought like Sleuther was in the show. That was like total, like, I, I don't know. I, I think I'd read it somewhere and mis like combined it with something else. Um, well, did not see John Henry did not see that coming in season <laughs> one. Like neither like, did I. I, I like he's 
such a great character in the comics that has kind of been done. So, which I should say spoilers, I guess, for Superman and Lois. But I mean, at this point, I think I'm the only person interested in watching that hasn't watched it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't see that storyline coming. The the daughter reunion at the end is so sweet, but also like very. It felt like just like well, we don't want him to have a dead daughter, so we're gonna do okay. this, um, mm-hmm. which is it's fine, but like it feels very forced. Um, it does make for some interesting story in the second season. Um, equally, did not fucking see Bizarro coming. Like, right? holy shit. I was like, <laughs> what the hell is under the mine? What is, like, what? where are they going with this? And when we see him, I was like, oh my God, they're doing Bizarro? Yeah. Well, at the time, the press was trying to get us to lead us to believe it was a doomsday storyline. And we're like... How are they going to do a doomsday storyline in season two of a show? Mm-hmm. Even though, like, I mean, I guess he's a super established character. So, like, that's where they were, the press, like, was leading us. And then you get the reveal that it's Bizarro. And, oh, man. And oh, it's, it's so, so good. It's so good. Like, I, I'm seven or eight episodes in. So, I'll Tell probably me exactly be... what was the last thing that happened so I know where you're at. Um, I, I don't want to spoil you. It's really good. I'm just not going to say anything. Uh, the last thing, uh, let's see, I know they had captured Superman and the army had and Mm. taken him to his brother. They broke out. Um, his brother kind of did the thing that you knew he was going to do the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, let's see, I think that's the same episode where, uh, you found out that the kid was using, uh, uh, Ex kryptonite mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm, powers, mm-hmm. and I think that's the last thing I thought. I that was episode seven. Oh, and you find out that Lana's husband was had been cheating on her a couple of years ago. Ugh, so, yeah, what a weird storyline that was. It sucks because, like, you spend the whole first season absolutely like hating that dude. Yep, then you're like, okay, well, like, you know, he saw the error of his ways, and then it's like. Not that I hate the character. Like, I understand shit happens. And, like, he was drinking a lot and things were not okay. Like, you know, it, not not excusing anything. But, like, he was clearly going through something and fucked up in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, it's weird to spend all that time reestablishing as somebody who you shouldn't, like, you should feel some empathy towards only to like throw something else at you. You're like, it's, well, come on, man. You just got me liking this dude. <laughs> I know. I mm, let me know when you get to the end of the season, how you feel about <laughs> their family storyline. I'll, okay. I'll be curious to hear. Um, I honestly, I, like, I don't mind the stuff with Lana, but it, it kills me because I love the actress. Yes. But it's just not that interesting to me. Like, it it feels very CW-ish and I'm way more mm-hmm. interested in the like the power superhero stuff. So, you know, it's I've seen enough young love plot lines or <laughs> even like, you know, married people, you know, fall soap opera ish stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, like the you you said like it's weird because I Doomsday never crossed my mind. Well, I won't say never, but I like you, um, and like you guys, like we're not doing Doomsday in season two. Like, even if they do it right, that's a huge jump the shark moment. Right. Like, you're going all the way to the death of Superman in right? season two. Exactly. Um, that's my, why we were like, we can't. They can't be doing Doomsday, but yeah. we we didn't see Bizarro coming not in a million years. The like the weird plot line with her sister that kept coming up. I thought they were doing um, Eclipso because like there's like the diamond, like the character Eclipso uses like black diamonds. So I thought like, oh, are they doing Eclipso? Like, cause it's a diamond mine or not a diamond, but like a gem mine. And like, it could be something that leads to Eclipso and which is kind of otherworldly. And then you find out it's bizarro. Yeah, I think I I think I did theorize that at one point that that was like the black diamond, and I was like, I wonder if they're gonna bring in 
maybe if not Eclipso, like maybe like the Shadowlands. And I was like, oh, but they played yeah. that up real heavy in Star Girl. So yeah. I didn't know if it being on the same network, if they would do essentially the same storyline. And they didn't. So, um, yeah. so I, I, you... I dig the Bizarro. Like Bizarro is such a weird thing that you're either in or not, <laughs> but I'm always in on Bizarro. <laughs> Oh yeah, it it's good. It, I I I thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed it. There's a <laughs> I like legit got into an argument on my podcast over some things in the finale that one of my co-hosts felt was confusing, and I guess I didn't feel it was confusing. <laughs> and we kind of had like a back and forth for a while about it. Um, Someone's like, oh, I've never heard you get so like heated on a podcast before. I was like, oh, whoops. Because <laughs> I was feeling very passionate about that part of the finale, uh, which mm. I will not say like anything about because I know you're not there. But uh, anyway. Oh, you're going to um, ask me something and I cut you off. I'm sorry. I don't remember what I was going to ask you. It's okay. Um, so, yeah. Was it Super- about Superman and Lois? I don't. Yeah, you started to ask me a question and I, I think I interrupted you. Like, I, I'm so bad about interrupting people. <laughs> Oh, I am too. Don't feel bad about it. I, that's fine. So yeah, Superman and Lois. If I just ruined it for you and you stuck with us, like sorry, but like it, it's incredibly <laughs> fun. Like you know, it, it does show. a really good job of balancing like the CW ness of it, and then like I mean, it's the best Superman we've gotten. <laughs> I don't yeah. know in forty years. <laughs> I know. I love Tyler. I love him. He's so good. Yeah. Well, if anybody has stuck with us uh, this far into the Superman chat, uh, shameless plug, if you want like in-depth coverage, you can go and listen to Tomorrow's Legends podcast, which is where we talk all about Superman and Lois. So eh, it's also we've just spoiled it. But anyways, <laughs> well, now, now that I'm caught up when when you, when y'all start doing season three, I will be uh listening along so uh, okay. which would be nice <laughs> so. yeah season three's uh in i think mid-march yeah um yeah yeah i'll be i'll be caught up with season two uh i didn't think i would get caught up this fast because i mean honestly even though everybody told me how good it was mm-hmm. I'm so burned out on these shows I was you like, got sucked I'm, in yeah i'm i'm just i'm gonna watch like one or two episodes a week and try to get caught up before the the premiere and then like the first week I watched uh, almost the whole first season. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, go check out uh, Jess's uh, other uh, much more <laughs> efficient podcast. Um, and then go check out <laughs> everything else we do over at xwingfiles.com. Lots of Star Wars talk if you like Star Wars. Um, and then some Marvel stuff every now and then. I think. We're going to do a small Black Panther uh, discussion in a couple of weeks because it's hitting Disney Plus. And finally, other people I know will get will see it be- nice. besides myself. So, nice. like, nobody I know went to go. That movie made so much money. I'm like, did you see Black Panther? No. <laughs> like, nobody, <laughs> nobody, you know, watches movie. <laughs> That's hilarious. I also did not go see it in the theaters um, because, as you alluded, I have no time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full-time job, full-time mom. <laughs> like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> do not have time to go go watch three hours of a movie in a theater. Oh, so, no. I wish, um, but no. <laughs> <laughs> when, when your kids get older and are, like, all about going to the movies, then it'll be like, well, I can go to the movies, but it's going to cost me $120 to do it. <laughs> so, I know. No, I'm not going to see anything. <laughs> Exactly. It's like you get to pick one, and then we're not going to go for a long time. <laughs> I, I I went to see Avatar two by myself in the IMAX 3D and spent forty dollars. Oh so, God! <laughs> with that's drinks and popcorn and the movie ticket and everything, I was just like, I cannot imagine. Like, <sighs> it's a small fortune. You yeah. when you go with kids, you go well. One, you go to a matinee. And mm-hmm. you go to the cheapo theaters and you don't see anything like new release. <laughs> I, I think the most money I ever spent, because uh, I have so many nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. we went to go see, I think it was the first How to Train Your Dragon. And there was like nine of us. And 
eight or nine of us drinks popcorn because nobody wants to share with multiple people i convinced them to like you two share you two share you two share oh my gosh and um I, i'm pretty sure i spent 130 dollars Oh. Uh, it was somewhere in that range. I know it was 75 bucks just for the tickets. Oh, my so gosh. I was like, you know, I could have flown to California for this, right? I <laughs> like, know, right? <laughs> We're like, we are getting the supersized popcorn bucket and someone's going to go refill it. <laughs> <laughs> just suck it up. <laughs> Hope no one's uh, sick. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week talking about Trent Krim, The Independent, which is episode three. Um, one of... Trent. Yeah, probably one of my favorite episodes. It's such a good, I mean, they're all good TED episodes. It's his show. But, like, it is a very good, like, TED, like, getting one-on-one time with TED episode. So, Yes, uh, that's true. So, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week. Until then, be a goldfish. <laughs> oh, that's such a good sign-off. I'm going to say, until next time, find me some biscuits, Higgins. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.